Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we lift our prayers up to you now. There are, are many needs on our heart. There are probably some doubts here. There's some worries. There are struggles. Uh, I pray that we would know not only do you hear, but you heal. And so we come together as the church to pray that where there is brokenness, you would restore. Where people are struggling in depression, they would know that you lift up. Where people are struggling with pride, we would know that you've done the work and not us, and we'd be humbled. And in all things, we would know you, Jesus, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, and that we would, by our lives, by our words, by our relationships, lead others to you. Uh, help us, and help us to help one another do that. In his name, our Lord and Savior, amen. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. As you do that, I just want to ask a simple question. Uh, what does it look like when a person turns to Christ? Probably some images come to mind. Uh, baptism, salvation. And I'd agree with that, but... What does it look like when someone turns, I mean like really lives a new way, a different way? And I would ask you, uh, where are you uh, in a, what I call a trajectory uh, from uh, living either for yourself or for the world uh, to fully turning to Christ? Uh, I know I would answer that question for many, many years as uh, straddling the fence. Uh, and then there were a few years where there was, just, there was no straddling at all. I was simply living for myself and the world. It's just a question to uh, ponder before we get into this psalm. We are in a series that we call Worship and Wisdom. Our, our focus on the first six weeks is worship. Worship. Uh, most of us think worship is you know, what we just did uh, singing, but we want to see worship is with our lives, and it's a great place to start in the Psalms, because Psalms are about worship, praising God, even in the midst of sorrow and trials. If you read through the Psalms, often David is not just uh, in joyous praise, worship, celebration, but he is in agony, yet he is worshiping. And so this whole time over these, uh, these six weeks, the focus is on, is on worship. It ties into a theme that we have for the year, rise with God, as in our personal relationship with God, rising with God, in God's word, in prayer, in worship. And today, we see Psalm 19. And before I read Psalm 19, and uh, it's, it's relatively short, 14 verses, but I believe that Psalm 19 uh, covers this uh, spectrum, this trajectory of one person, a life, uh, going from beginning to see, sense, and feel God to a full turn to Jesus Christ. 
And as we read Psalm 19, as we look into it, I really, really, I mean really, want you to think about where you are on that trajectory. And I pray that the Lord convicts you to take a step towards Jesus. Because I know uh, that many of us, and me too, need to take a step to Jesus. Yeah, let's read Psalm 19. Beginning verse 1, David writes, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Okay, it's a psalm, it's a poem, yet I believe that it shows us the different stages in a person's walk and turn to Christ. Stage one, I would say, would be seeing God. And this is where many, many people are. Uh, many who are not Christians, many who would uh, call themselves agnostics, uh, many who uh, may be here today and have doubts and questions about God. But it begins with seeing the work of God. And David talks about this in the skies, in the heavens. And I don't know where you are in your walk or in your faith, but if you often look to the skies, you will say, as I often did, man, how, how can you not say that there is a God? I, I've been fortunate a lot to, uh, to travel over life, and, and whether I am uh, at home in Mississippi and talking about hunting, uh, one of the things I love about deer hunting, you know, it's late in the year, and the sunset and the the different colors of the sky go down and it affects the trees uh, and the leaves. And to me, it is, it is just spectacular. But then you can go anywhere you know, in the world and look to the skies. I was blessed uh, to live in Australia for a while. And I went to the West Coast. I've actually never seen a sunset in the West Coast U.S., but I was in Australia. This was years ago. And the sun, it literally like it was melting into the ocean. And I was fortunate, I love the beach, I was out in the ocean, and the whole water was 
It was just red. I remember just picking up the water. It looked red from the, from the reflection of the sun. Or up in the mountains, whether it's you know, Colorado or, or North Carolina or the Alps, and you're up high, and you know, it just, the sky opens up, and it, you feel like you can touch the stars. And you're like, man, there has to be a God. And this is where many people are, and maybe it's you. Again, you don't have to travel across the world. It can be right here. Last night I was driving north on I-55. It was a gorgeous sunset. And it was like, man, the beauty of the Creator. And many people never move past that point in life. They never move. They're right there. Because the next stage, if stage one is seeing, I would say stage two is hearing. As this psalm said, it starts off, the heavens declare the glory of God. We see. So stage one, the sky proclaims its handiwork. But then it talks about hearing God, the voice of God. So if stage one is seeing, stage two would be hearing. And I say this, that some people never move past the seeing because they don't hear God. The psalm says, there is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth. The psalmist is talking about the voice of God, the words of God. And look at this, look at this poetic language. I love this line. I mean, it it is, it is beautiful in words. In them, in the words of God, in them, he has set a tent for the sun. Some of you outdoorsmen, you know, who set up tents. The words of God are over the sun. It's beautiful language. And it is true. So stage one is seeing, stage two is hearing. Because God is speaking. God's speaking right now through His Holy Spirit. God speaks through men and women who are teachers uh, and mentors uh, in our lives. God speaks in friends and relationships. God speaks through His Word. And the reason I say that some people never move past stage one to hear God is they don't want to hear. They don't want to hear what God has to say. Because his word says, just in the psalm, he is speaking. He is speaking to you. So if I, um, if I were to shout, and some of y'all are like, you've already shouted. No, if I were to really shout, if I were really shout, I mean, you would hear, okay? Uh, if I came down uh, and shouted in front of Neil here, I'm not going to, Neil, don't worry. But he would really hear, be like, it's too loud. The thing is, God is speaking everywhere in creation, uh, in your life, by His Word, uh, by people, not just teachers, mentors, preachers, by friends. And so if you're not hearing, because some of you are like, man, I don't hear God, maybe perhaps you're ignoring God. You're ignoring the things that He has to say. Maybe uh, your heart, and look, guilty as charged sometimes, me, your heart can be so enclosed and enraptured with the things of this world that we don't hear. But he is speaking. So again, the spectrum, the walk from seeing to hearing. And then there are some folks that are like, man, I hear God's word. He speaks to me. He speaks to me through music. He speaks to me through creation. He speaks to me through friends. He speaks to me through love. He speaks to me through marriage. Yet they never move past right there. And some of y'all are, that's where y'all are. Seeing God, you're like, I hear him. I really hear him in music. I really hear him in friends. Because the next stage is God's word. 
but you don't go into God's word, and you're not intentional about it. So many are right there. Because in the psalm, it talks about seeing, then it talks about hearing, and then verse 7, it goes to looking into the word of God, the Bible, Scripture. David talks about the heavens, he talks about hearing God, and again, some of us never move past right there because we don't get into the word of God. So David says, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. I love that word testimony. Because it's a story. And then David says, making wise the simple. And the story of the Bible does. It makes wise the simple. How is that? I mean, the Bible is kind of complicated and everything. The Bible tells a story of, that so many of our children know. Jesus loves me. This I know. What? For the Bible tells me so. That's the story, making wise the simple. He goes on, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, enlighten the eyes. Stage one is seeing God. Stage two is hearing him. You've got to move to stage three, looking into God's word, knowing the story, knowing it by heart. It is beautiful. It is majestic. And yes, we can spend our entire lives and just be at the tip of the iceberg. In Scripture, but God has given us His Word as words to read, to meditate upon. Now, some folks do that. Some is like, I've seen God, I hear Him, and yes, man, I'm looking into His Word. And often, some people just stop right there, stage three. Uh, this is who I would actually call, I mean, it can lend to becoming like a Pharisee. As Jesus talked about in Scripture, Jesus actually reserved some of his harshest critiques for those who knew the Word of God very, very, very well. So what happens is you can see God, you can hear Him, you begin to look into His Word, and like, I know, I know, I know in my mind, and God's Word doesn't pierce into your heart. So some folks stop right there. Yet David continues if you follow the psalm. Look at this, verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Here's what I mean by this. Like, okay, but if I know the word, how do I... I mean, I'm not moving forward. I don't know Jesus. Yeah, you can. You can. You can know in your mind. You can know conceptually. You can know and it not penetrate into your hearts. Many people are right there. The verses I just read, you're like, well, what do you mean? Stage four would be the heart. If stage one is seeing, stage two is hearing, stage three, the word of God. Stage four, you let God's word penetrate, sink into your heart, and it convicts you. What I'm talking about here is this word that I love, but many of us think it sounds like a bad word, repentance. That God's word convicts us to say, Uh, I'm sorry, Uh, I messed up, Um, I'm sinning in this way. David talks about two types of sins here. One, I love this, he says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Here's what I mean by that. That you can say, hey, 
I'm hearing God's voice. I'm reading his word. I'm understanding it. Oh, yeah, now I'm, I'm going into ministry. Uh, maybe I'm becoming a missionary. Maybe I'm just, you know, just serving in my community. Hey, maybe I'm going to seminary. Maybe I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. My heart is still dark. We can trick ourselves to thinking like we're good. David here says there are, there are hidden faults. The heart is dark. The heart is dark. Savior's great. We'll get to him, but there are hidden faults in us. And this is the step. Again, you got to bear with me here. If you see him and you hear him and you're in God's word, then the word of God, I pray, would convict you that you need a Savior. And we need to repent of some hidden faults. And then, even more, David talks about presumptuous sins, or different translations call it willful sins. And here, there are things that we know will like bring us down. So the explicit, the, the things that, you know, addictions, you're like, I, you know, I got to stop drinking. Uh, you know, I got to stop clicking on the porn site. Uh, I got to stop fantasizing about that person. Uh, I got I mean, those are, those are ones that are, you know, pretty, pretty open. I got to stop being a glutton. I got to stop making football an idol. There are these willful sins that we willfully choose to do that we cannot break free alone. Part of the reason why the church is plan A and there's no plan B. We need each other to hold one another accountable. So there's hidden stuff from us and there's the willful stuff. Jesus heals. He gives us one another to hold us accountable. So stage four is the heart. From seeing to hearing to God's word to the heart. And if, if, and it's a big if, if we... Repent, confess, humble ourselves, and say, Jesus, I need you. Then he shows up. The last stage is simply Jesus. It's verse 14. It's a famous verse. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. First, that's a humble spirit. Lord, let my words, let my thoughts, let my actions be acceptable to you. Yet we know that what we do does not make us accepted. We're accepted because of the cross, because of what Jesus has done. Therefore, we live for him. That is the gospel. Christianity, it is not what you do. Christianity is about who you love. Who do you love? We struggle with loving ourselves over the Lord, yet the Lord saves us. This verse calls Jesus our rock, our rock, our redeemer. Often you hear Jesus called our redeemer more, but he is our rock. You know, I was reading this week, 1 Corinthians 10. I love this. Listen to this. Talking about Jesus as the rock. goes all the way back from Moses. Paul does. 
Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Some of you are like, why did you read that? Just kind of sk- I want you to see, all the way back to Moses, God's word begins and ends in Jesus. The rock is Jesus, and he is our redeemer. There, there is a spectrum. There is a trajectory. I mean, I, as pastor, I've seen it in people. A lot of folks start, they, they see God. They know he's out there. And they never get past that because they don't want to hear him. And, and a lot of y'all, a lot of us, will hear him. So many end up right there because we don't want to go into God's word. Then those that do, they're in God's word. They're knowing it. And we don't let it convict our hearts. And when we don't let it convict our heart, the result is they're unreconciled relationships. Um, there's, there's bitterness because, because we see somebody and we don't forgive them. And we think they're to blame and so we're bitter at them. We don't look into our own hearts at our own sin. Let God's word, let God's voice penetrate in your hearts. And in humility, we become these people. And, and I love this. I've seen a few of them. It's like they walk with serene confidence. As in like, they don't get too high because they know that it's not them that did the work, it was Jesus. But they don't get too low because they know Jesus is there. So they're, they're just very, very balanced. Jesus, Jesus makes you balanced. And in that posture of humility, Jesus is there. And he is our rock, and we know it. And he is our redeemer, and we know it. And we continue daily to pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. I would ask y'all, where are you on that trajectory? Where are you? I know so many people, me too, that will use the same excuse over and over and over and over again, week to week. Oh, I'm here, I need to be there, but you know, I kind of like, stop. For the love of God in Jesus Christ. Take a step. That's why the church is here. That is why we are here. To take a step moving to Jesus. And if you're like, hey, I know the Bible so much, then repent. Then maybe ask somebody to, for forgiveness. And let go of the bitterness. Live freely, humbly. Jesus is there. I, this is so, I beg of y'all. I don't know, it's like football season, all this. There are so many that you need to read and meditate upon Psalm 19. Man, I'll email you the state because people are there and we want life change and I can't do it and that frustrates me that I can't do it. But no human can, the Holy Spirit can. And so I pray that your heart is melted, melted today by the power of the Holy Spirit and you take a step towards Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so many of us are trying to find life in our idols, be them Sports, guilty. Be them hunting, guilty. Be them good things, family, friends, socializing, guilty. And there's still a void. There's still a void. You know, the greatest, the greatest example of this, I, I heard, saw a tweet by a pastor I admire up in St. Louis, a guy named Darren Patrick. It said selfies. Everybody knows a selfie. Selfies. 
Selfie are the greatest indicators of something that we want so much and yet never fills the void. We want to be seen. We want to be known. We want to be out there. And we want it more and more again. Anybody ever, you know, has one selfie ever just, you know, done it for you? Or just you got to do another one and another one. You know? There you go. Enough said. Jesus Christ. Psalm 19. Our rock and our redeemer. Take a step today. Maybe it is to hear him. Maybe it is to get into God's word. Maybe it's to the heart. He'll fill the void. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is clear. From Matthew to 1 Corinthians to Revelation, back to Psalm to Exodus, it all points to Jesus. Fill us with your power as we come to your table. Fill hearts here today that they would take a step that ultimately ends in Jesus Christ for salvation, for life. In his name we pray, amen.